Alan Lazard may be a big-bodied receiver, but I think the way the Jets are going to use him this year will surprise you. I'll get into more details today on Locked On Jets. You are Locked On Jets, your daily New York Jets podcast. Part of the Locked On Podcast Network, your team every day. Welcome, this is the Locked On Jets podcast, part of the Locked On Podcast Network, your team every day. It's Friday, June 16th, 2023, and I'm your host, John B. from gangreennation.com. Thanking you so much for making this show your first listen or first watch every day. Subscribe to the show for free on YouTube or wherever you get your podcasts so that you'll get new episodes as soon as they're posted. If you're listening on a podcast source, please give the show a five-star review. And if you're watching on YouTube, give this episode a big thumbs up. These things help us out and help other Jets fans find the podcast. Today's episode of Locked on Jets is brought to you by Bird Dogs. Go to birddogs.com slash NFL and they will throw in a free custom Bird Dogs Yeti-style tumbler with every order. I think each year we have certain expectations for how the Jets are going to use a player, and sometimes those expectations do not match up with reality. Sometimes the Jets utilize a player very differently from how we are expecting them to do so. And on today's show, I'm going to talk about three players who the Jets utilize or will utilize differently than I think a lot of people are expecting. And I'm going to begin with probably their biggest free agent signing of the year, and Free agent is the operative phrase there. Yes, I know the Jets got Aaron Rodgers this offseason, but that was a trade. The biggest free agent signing, though, is a guy very familiar to Rodgers, and that is Alan Lazard, who the Jets signed from Green Bay. He was the Packers' number one receiver last year, spent his entire career catching passes from Aaron Rodgers, a guy that Rodgers, I think, clearly wanted the Jets to sign, a guy Rodgers trusts, and if you followed Rodgers through his career, trust is very important to him. You know, he... he it takes a long time for him to build chemistry with receivers, and he, when he develops a, when he develops that chemistry, I think it's something that he really values. So the Jets went out and got Alan Lazard, really for Aaron Rodgers. Now Lazard's a big-bodied receiver. You know, he he's a guy who profiles as you know a guy who's very very tall, very big. You know, profiles as a contested catch type of receiver. So you're probably thinking he's an outside receiver, right? Because in today's NFL or in the NFL in general, you you, embo- you envision big receivers are going to play the outside, they're going to play the what's known as the X position. The X position is the guy who's like far outside, and he lines up directly on the line of scrimmage. So on each play, you have seven players who are allowed to line up on the line of scrimmage. Five of them are going to be your offensive line, typically. One of them's typically going to be your tight end. And then there's one receiver who lines up on the line of scrimmage. Now, this is a broad over overgeneralization, Today's NFL, there are all sorts of different formations. You don't need to line up this way, but just to keep it simple, that's kind of the standard in football. So you have one receiver who, who is on the line of scrimmage, and this is the guy that's easiest to jam, especially against press coverage. You have a corner who lines up right across from him. You know, he try, The corner tries to get his hands on him to disrupt his release, to throw off the timing of the route. So typically... You, you're looking for a bigger-bodied receiver. So I think a lot of people will look at Alan Lazard and say, well, this is going to be an X-type receiver. And to be clear, Alan Lazard's going to see his fair share, amount of t- fair share of time probably at the X position. But I think people underestimate how frequently he's going to be used in the slot. And again, I think people have this vision 
of a slot receiver. They think it's going to be like a Braxton Berrios kind of guy, a Jamison Crowder kind of guy, somebody who's smaller. And part of the reason you play the slot is when you play in the slot, you line up behind the line of scrimmage. You're one of the four players on a play who lines up behind the line of scrimmage. So that and it's easier to be a smaller receiver in the slot because you have the automatic cushion. The formation gives you puts you a couple of yards behind the line of scrimmage. So the other team's corner can't really get his hands on you as quickly. He can't really disrupt your route. And when you're in the slot, you're also in the middle of the field. So what you're looking for is quick separation. You're looking for somebody who can you know, either break left or break right and create separation very quickly because you don't really have the sideline to deal with. You're working in the middle of the field. But if you look at Lazard's recent career, and especially last year, I kind of looked at the splits, he was in the slot or even lined up as a tight end around 40% of the time. So I'm not saying Lazard's exclusively going to be a slot receiver, but I'm saying that he's going to be utilized in the slot a lot more than than people realize. And I think some of this goes to Nathaniel Hackett's tendencies. Lazard played a decent amount of slot when Hackett was in Green Bay's offensive coordinator. Now, of course, Hackett was not in Green Bay last year. He was in Denver, but Green Bay runs a sim- ran a similar offense to what the Jets will this year, and even when Hackett was Lazard's offensive coordinator those couple of seasons in Green Bay, he saw a fair amount of time in the slot. And I'll take it a step further. If you look at Hackett's tendencies, he's been an offensive coordinator through his recent career. It was true in Denver. It was true in Green Bay, where he likes to use a lot of two tight end sets. But he doesn't use his two tight ends the same way Mike LaFleur did. When Mike LaFleur ran a two tight end set, it was, you know, either two tight ends, you know, either line, either end of the line of scrimmage, or maybe one of them was in the backfield playing the fullback role. Hackett likes to split one of his tight ends into the slot frequently. So when you com- combine that with Lazard's time in the slot, it tells you something. It tells you Hackett kind of likes a bigger option in the slot. And why does he like to do this? Well, I think there are a couple of reasons where it, it could it could add up. The first is that it helps you with the run game. If you have a bigger body in the slot, it's just one of those things that makes it a little bit easier to run because bigger body players tend to be better run blockers than the smaller guys, your Crowders or your Barrioses of the world. That's pretty self-explanatory, I think. If you're bigger, easier to block well. And when you're in the slot, you're still kind of close enough to the line of scrimmage where... You may be able to help throw a big block here or there. You know, it's it's one thing to be on the outs as an outside receiver where your option or your chances to throw an important block, they're kind of few and far between. But when you're in the slot, you're close you're typically closer to where the ball's being run on run play. So that that's number one right there. And having a bigger bodied receiver certainly can be helpful in that area. And there have been points through in recent NFL history. Um, you know, if you go actually go back to 2015, 2016, Quincy and Nunwa played this role a lot for the Jets. Around that time, Larry Fitzgerald, late in his career, moved to the slot for Arizona. And I'm not saying Alan Lazard's Larry Fitzgerald, but the Cardinals put him in the slot to kind of help with their run blocking late in Larry Fitzgerald's career. It's one of those things that, that can help you out. Another thing where I think this could be helpful is because there's this perception that slot receivers are small, quick guys. Defenses have adapted to that, and they tend to put small, quick corners in the slots. And that's, you know, you see a Michael Carter II for the Jets. So when you can put a big-bodied guy in there, you create a little bit of a mismatch. You create a difficult matchup. And that's another reason why I think uh, a coordinator like Hackett will do that. The third is it can kind of force the other team to tip its hands coverage-wise. Now, when you're putting tight ends in the slot, 
if a linebacker follows him out there, it's a pretty clear sign that they're in man coverage because the linebacker would only fall would only go to the slot to take on a tight end if it's one-on-one man-to-man. Now, I think it's a little bit more complex when you're talking a receiver. A linebacker is probably not going to follow Lazard into the slot, but if you get a guy who's typically an outside corner, a bigger type of guy, and say a defense is trying to kind of combat that thing I was just talking about, you know, you don't want Lazard against a smaller corner, well, maybe you put a bigger corner in the slot. If that corner is a guy who typically plays outside, again, you're kind of tipping your coverage. You, you, the only reason a bigger corner would follow, who plays outside most of the time, would follow Lazard into the slot, or maybe not the only reason, but it's a pretty good tell that it's man-to-man coverage. So in that area, a bigger receiver can be helpful. Now, I think if you look at the Jets' tight end position, and if you've, if you've everydayers and folks, folks who follow the podcast consistently, you know I'm not a big fan of the Jets' tight end group. I think the Jets are higher on this group that, than I am. And I, I will say, I have hopes for Jeremy Ruckers. I don't have a ton of hopes for Tyler Conklin or CJ Uzama. I think the Jets are higher on them than I am, but I do wonder whether Hackett will lean more towards familiarity. And what I mean by that is when he's got a couple different big-bodied options in the slot, will he maybe lean towards Lazard a little bit more, especially early in the season, a guy who really understands the system well, maybe more Lazard in the slot when he wants a big body and less tight ends. So that's the type of thing that could drive that percentage of Lazard snap, snap, uh, slot snaps even higher. So I think that when you look at this, Alan Lazard's likely to play in the slot an awful lot this season and I, I don't think that's something p- people really appreciate all that much now head here on the lockdown jets podcast we'll continue our discussion of jets players whose roles may surprise you we're going to go to the defensive line guy who has really developed over the last couple of years john franklin myers he's viewed as a hybrid he really hasn't been a hybrid though and we'll get into that a little bit more as we continue this friday edition of the lockdown jets podcast Today's episode of Lockdown Jets is brought to you by Bird Dogs. Bird Dogs make you look good. Bird Dogs stretch khaki shorts are designed to fit slimmer through the thigh and leg, giving you a truly sculpted look. Bird Dog shorts do the exact same thing as Lululemon, but fit way better. They fit way better than regular shorts that are made of stiff, restricting cotton. Bird Dogs fix this issue by inventing cloud-knit fabric that looks just like khaki, but stretches so that you get a way slimmer fit without having to sacrifice movement. And Bird Dogs uses anti-stink wicking fabric that keeps you cool and dry all day long. And that's especially going to be useful as we get into the summer in New York. The hotter days are coming. And Bird Dogs just makes you look good. you, you got to try Bird Dogs out. Go to birddogs.com slash LockedOnNFL. And you'll also get a free Yeti-style tumbler with your order. So not only do you get great Bird Dogs, you get a free Yeti-style tumbler. Again, that's birddogs.com slash LockedOnNFL for a free Yeti-style tumbler. You won't want to take your bird dogs off. We promise you. Thank you so much for making Locked On Jets your first listen or first watch every day. We are talking today about Jets players whose roles may surprise you. Now, I want to move to the defensive line. And I'm going to talk about a player who I think was one of Joe Douglas's best pickups. It was a, a waiver wire transaction Douglas made early in his Jets tenure He got John Franklin Myers from the Los Angeles Rams. The Rams let Franklin Myers go. And a lot of people had a memory of John Franklin Myers sacking Tom Brady in the Super Bowl when the Rams played New England. It was the 2018 season, the 2019 Super Bowl. The Jets got him, and he really 
he was kind of injured his first year, so he didn't make much of an impact. But I remember even at the time being kind of excited about the Jets getting JFM. And then 2020 came along, and he looked like a very, very good rotational player, a guy who came in on, on passing downs and created a lot of disruption. He took his games even higher to an even higher level in 2021, where he developed into a quality starter. 2022 came along, and he still played really well. Uh, kind of an unsung hero on the defense. Jets have a lot of good defensive linemen. A lot of attention rightly is paid to Quinn and Williams. A lot of attention is rightly paid to Carl Lawson. Bryce Huff gets a lot of attention because of his situational prowess. John Franklin Myers has developed into a good starter, a guy who's really kind of been an NFL self-made man, might be might be the phrase that I would use. A guy who's really started, not not a high draft pick, you know, got waved by the Rams, picked up by the Jets, grew, grew into a rotational player, grew into a starting level player. And there's a perception, and it's an understandable perception because he's a big defensive lineman he's built more like your typical defensive tackle but you see him a lot at defensive end and there's been a perception that he's a hybrid type player where he can play defensive end and defensive tackle and that's true he can do both but one of the interesting things and it was one of those one of those uh and pieces of analysis that i did not even realize watching it live and it wasn't until i started doing some examination he really became a full-time defensive end for the jets last season there were some times where he slid inside but he was actually playing over 90% of his snaps at defensive end. Now, this it's kind of interesting because the Jets run a four-man defensive line. So typically what you have on a four-man defensive line, you have two ends who are kind of like athletic guys, guys who can bend the edge, guys who can get to the quarterback. They're known as the edge rushers. The two guys who play inside, they're bigger type guys. They're 280, 290, 300, maybe 310, 320 kind of guys. Franklin Myers fits more of the profile of the defensive end. But the Jets have utilized him a little bit differently. Now, in a three-man line, a guy like Franklin Myers would play end more frequently because you're looking for big guys. When you only have three defensive linemen, you kind of have to make up for one less guy, so you need bigger type guys in there. But Franklin Myers plays the end, a lot of four-man defensive lines for the Jets. And I think they do this for a couple of reasons. First is Robert Sala and his defense really values speed. He wants guys to be able to rally to the football, you know, fly, you know, if completion's made in front of the defense for three yards, they, he wants his guys to get upfield and deliver big hits. So uh, faster guys are typically smaller. And you see that at the linebacker position. The last couple of years, C.J. Mosley's kind of dropped weight. He's not, as bi- he's not as big as he was in his Baltimore days. The Jets are kind of hoping to sacrifice size for speed in the back of their defense. So I think the way that they compensate for that is they get bigger up front and they essentially have three guys on a four-man defensive line who are kind of defensive tackle types. So in some ways, you could say that this defense resembles a 3-4 more than a 4-3. And I don't like using those phrases anymore because in today's NFL, you're playing nickel most of the time. But the base defenses, you know, the defenses you're kind of built on have evolved from 4-3 or 3-4. So in this way, the, in this way because of the, how much size the Jets have on their defensive line, it doesn't, it doesn't resemble an old 3-4 in every single way, but in this way it does. Because the Jets, I think, are trying to put a little bit a little bit more muscle on the, the defensive line. And that way they have guys who can tie up blockers, guys who can create disruptions, and leave their linebackers less, uh, less obstructed. Because if your defensive line is big and, and essentially preventing the offensive line from getting a push, your linebackers have to get shed less blocks. It's fine to have your linebacker shed blocks when they're bigger guys, but smaller guys struggle with that. Again, it's easier to throw, it's easier to block a smaller guy than it is a bigger guy. 
So when you have smaller linebackers, having a bigger defensive line can help out. I think the Jets also like having just having a power end, a guy who can you know, kind of push the collapse the pocket, a guy who can set the edge against the run. And these are things Franklin Myers does effectively. Now, I do think Franklin Myers can play defensive tackle. And you might see him a little bit more at defensive tackle this year. You know, that, that ratio from 90% may go down a little bit because he's, for a big guy, for a guy who his size, he is pretty athletic. And one thing guards tend to struggle against in the NFL, guards are not as athletic as tackles on offense. On offense, if you're a tackle, you have to remember, you have to protect the you have to protect the wide side of the field. You don't really have any help on your outside, so you have to be able to really get outside quickly. Guards don't need to be quite as athletic because you have you have essentially an offensive lineman next to you on either side, so you don't need to protect the edge. You don't need to get way wide out there. But that can also present a mismatch if you get a, if you get up against an athletic pass rusher, they can really cause you problems. Somebody who can fire off the snap quickly, guards can have an issue, an issue with that. So Franklin Myers could play inside more this year in part because Shelton Rankins is gone and even Nathan Shepard's gone. And I know the Jets have replaced them with a couple of guys from Seattle, Al Woods and uh, Quinton Jefferson, but Jets are also pretty stacked at the edge spot. So I think on passing downs, you could see Franklin Myers slide in a little bit more than he did last year. And to be fair, in the early part of his Jets career, Franklin Myers kind of slid between tackle and end. But at this point of his career, I think John Franklin Myers is a defensive end. And another thing I'll say is, I don't think you want to mess with what's working. JFM has shown that he's a pretty good defensive end in this system, you know, for what Robert Sala needs. And Robert Sala comes off the Pete Carroll tree. And Pete Carroll has been a guy who's been willing to mix and match. He's Pete Carroll has never, when it comes to the defensive line, he's never been a guy who's been wedded to the conventional wisdom. Carroll has used bigger guys at defensive end through his career. He's also used smaller guys at tackle. Uh, you know, when Seattle had a, had a player, Michael Bennett, who really was built more like a defensive end, and he played his fair share of defensive end back during his career. But he also played a lot of defensive tackle because it was just a spot he was more comfortable in. Even though he wasn't built like a defensive tackle, even though he was built more like a defensive end, he was more comfortable at defensive tackle. I think, you know, to a lesser extent, and I don't really like using this example because I don't think he's a very good player, but Solomon Thomas kind of fits that role where even though he's built a little more like a defensive end, he's more comfortable at defensive tackle. So you see him play defensive tackle plenty. I don't love using that example because Solomon Thomas is not very good at either spot, but I think Salah does definitely has that like that Pete Carroll mindset where he's more focused on what his defense can do and is not as what his players can do and is not as focused on the traditional designation. So all this is to say, I think you'll see John Franklin Myers an awful lot at the defensive end position, probably more than you realize. And although we categorize him as a hybrid, and yes, he can play defensive tackle, you'll see him a lot more at defensive end than you do than you do defensive tackle. Now, head here on the Lockdown Jets podcast, we will close out this Friday edition of our show, and we're going to talk about the receiving game. We all know that running backs in the NFL who can catch the ball add a lot of value. I would not be surprised if you saw a lot more Brees Hall in the receiving game this year, and I'll explain why as we continue this edition of the Locked On Jets podcast. This is the Locked On Jets podcast here on this Friday. We're talking about Jets players whose roles in 2023 could surprise you. We've talked about John Franklin Myers. We've talked about Alan Lazard. Now let's talk about Brees Hall. Now, Brees Hall's a running back. I'm not going to act like Brees Hall's number one role is going to be anything other than rushing the football this year. But I do think he's going to be utilized more in the passing game, and more in the passing game than people might expect. When the Jets drafted Brees out of Iowa State last year, high expectations were high. I won't, My expectations were high. I loved the pick. I loved the move. And Brees, before he got injured, and I'm still 
I'm still devastated over that injury. But before he got injured, he was justifying every single thing Jets hoped from him, except for one thing. He was not that great of a receiver. Now, yeah, one great game. I know I know what the response is going to be, because everybody's going to point to the Miami game where you know he posted around 100 yards. He had two big receptions. And you're absolutely right there. He had one great game against the Miami Dolphins as a receiver. Other than that, though, he was actually a bit of a disappointment. And one of the things when the Jets got him out of Iowa State that I was hoping for, and I think that his, the scouting reports indicated, was that he would be a big impact player in the receiving game. Now, in all honesty, if he runs the ball like he did last year, if he averages you know close to six yards per carry, we won't care that much about his receiving prowess. I don't think he's now look. Brees is great. I don't think he's going to average six yards per carry. But if he averages five yards per carry, we're not going to care that much about his receiving prowess. But the skills are there. And for whatever reason, it just did not click for him outside of that Miami game last year. A lot of drops, you know, a lot of a lot of rough plays in the receiving game. But because of what he did at Iowa State, we know he's got the tools to be a better receiver than he showed last year. And he's going to get a fair amount of opportunities. Aaron Rodgers likes to utilize the running backs in the passing game. And I think part of it might be, you know, he he's a smart quarterback, obviously. So if the, if his first or second reads are not there, he's willing to check the ball down, which a lot of quarterbacks are not willing to do. And to me, that's one of the things. It's very subtle, but sometimes just the willingness to check the ball down when it's not there is what sets the great quarterbacks apart. You know, knowing when to take your chances and when not to. And Rodgers generally makes good decisions and knows when to check the ball down. So it means your running back's going to be active. It also... Also, if you look at the numbers, Rodgers threw to the running through his running backs just under twenty percent of the time last year, and I know that number probably means nothing to you because you don't know what the context is. You know what's what's a high amount of, of targets to running backs, around twenty percent, nineteen twenty percent. That's that's you know among the higher numbers in the league. And even if you go back prior to last year, because you may say, well, Green Bay's receivers really weren't very good last year. Of course, the running backs got more targets. Look back, if you go back prior to twenty twenty two. Aaron Jones was second on the team in targets a number of years, and that's with Devontae Adams in Green Bay. So Rodgers is going to want to utilize the running backs a lot. Now, as I've said frequently on the show, I think the early part of the season, you'll probably see less of Brees than you will late in the year. I think the Jets are going to be very cautious about Brees as he recovers from this injury. They're going to keep him on a pitch count. They're not going to utilize him as much, and I think the hope will be that he'll be 100% once we get to November, December, when the Jets really need him. You know, Jets really needed Brees last year, and unfortunately, he, you know, he was out because of an injury, which is nobody's fault. But I think to keep him healthy, to keep him fresh, and to give him a chance to fully recover, the Jets will keep him on a bit of a pitch count early in the season. Uh, you may think that that's just running, but I think the Jets will also utilize him. I think some of his touches will come in the receiving game. Look, when you got a running back like Brees Hall, you also want to design plays for him in space. You also want to throw him a, a decent amount of screens because you get him in the open field. He's a threat to take it to take it to the end zone on any given play. And if Brees, you know, a, a part of the issue with Brees last year was just he had a, a surprising number of drops and. Drops never really worry me that much because these guys are in the NFL. They've caught passes their entire career. Until I, until proven otherwise, I'm just going to account to it. It was, it was a rough start to Bre- for Brees as a receiver. It's about the only it's about the only negative to Brees' game last year. It's something I'm expecting him to improve because he's he showed plenty of receiving skills at Iowa State. So I, I think that you'll see a lot more Brees Hall. I think he's going to be better this year. I think you know, I don't know if he's going to be like Miami Brees Hall where he's you know, going 100, getting 100 yards receiving, but I think you're going to see him be a steady contributor in the receiving game. I think Rodgers is going to like him as a security blanket underneath when his first couple options are not open. And I think the Jets will, uh, I think you're going to be, I think you'll see Brees Hall emerge as more of a dual threat, both as a receiver and a runner this season. 
Anyway, that's all for today's episode. This has been the Lockdown Jets podcast, part of the Lockdown Podcast Network, your team every day is our motto. As always, if you enjoy the show, hit the subscribe button where you're watching or listening so that you'll never miss an episode. Give the show a five-star review if you're listening on a podcast or so you enjoy it. Give this episode a big thumbs up if you're watching on YouTube. Have a great weekend, everybody. We'll be back next week to talk more Jets.